I think you can jump ahead to about the 53-minute mark if you want to skip the off-topic. Up to you. Hey, the new hub for all things me is now live. Honestly, self-aggrandizing is a terrible business. But, here I am. Anyways, go to Ron Beek 3 That's Ron, B-E-E-K-I-I-I dot com. And you'll check out everything I have to offer. There's a page on WT Fada. There's the visual arts page. There's a creative writing page. Um, there's downloadable comics. Um, you have to pay for those. And then there's downloadable just like regular prose creative writing, some of my short stories. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few good things. And I got a bonus for you. You ready? If you go on there and you find some of my very well-placed Easter eggs, let me know which ones you find. And there may be a prize for having discovered it. You only get you only can claim one prize per person. Okay, so if you find an Easter egg, you think you found an Easter egg, um, you know that's great. You don't have to look for any more. You're all gonna get the same prize. So, anyways, go check it out. R O N B E E K I I I dot com. Oh yeah. I was going to say something, but I just kind of, I kind of bitched out. Ryan, uh, this is the 125th episode of WT Fada. What? Yeah, 125. It's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're picking up steam. I feel like we've had run-ins with, uh, I actually just found in the messages on uh, the Instagram that somebody a while back was like, Hey, I'd love to come on and talk about a movie with you guys. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was like in 2020 that they sent it. And then I just like, I remember like now I remember that I replied to it and we had a conversation about it. So then I like sent them a message today and I was like, Hey, are you still like interested? And they were like, no. And I, <laughs> it's like, Oops, you snooze, you lose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunate. Dang. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen to the rest of our listenership. Yeah. Just slowly just being neglected until it's just us talking to each other and recording it for, I don't know, history's sake. Yeah, it's posterity, right? That's all it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We just want to know that 
we existed at one point you know That's i'm still all. not convinced every week you know like hit record and then until i hear the, the podcast however many days later like i'm in this weird feud nebula of just non-existence <laughs> i was i i had like a passing thought where i was like i wonder if this person was a fan and then listened to the show and at one point we crossed a line that they were like, no, absolutely not. Fuck these people. Oh, now I'm coming back like a year and a half after they stopped listening. And they're like, oh, you're the assholes that talked about X, Y, Z. No, thank you. You know, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Yeah, I, guess, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, it was from a fucking long time ago. Like the message that started it was them saying, I really liked your Invisible Man podcast, which was the beginning of the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) well you know they i'm sure they had some kind of crazy pandemic as well as the rest of us and Mm. maybe circumstances just changed and going on a podcast just didn't seem like the correct move or something yeah especially this one yeah you know, I even have doubts week to week if I should be on it. So, uh, you know, no hard feelings. But we do have a guest star coming up, though, um, next week. You guys will be introduced to the madness of a man named Jordan Marchese, um, who was my friend in high school and then my enemy in high school. And then my <laughs> enemy up until i said hey do you want to come on and do the show and now we're friends again or something (laughs) you don't get through this life without making enemies (laughs) it's gonna be exciting uh fallout to have potentially have on the show yeah i'm very excited i'm very excited um i've been uh brushing up on the history really trying to rehash old wounds get them (laughs) open so that they're raw you know and uh yeah hopefully I don't punch my laptop or any. No, I'm just kidding. No, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan Jordan's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be. He's been gonna be coming on next week as we start Batmania officially. So it's gonna be good. What's, what's the first one? Eighty nine. We're gonna skip sixty six. <laughs> Maybe we'll do sixty six as a bonus episode. That you, might you be should, fun because. they still haven't gotten nearly as brutal as you know fucking turning the un into sand and sucking them into a vacuum like yeah actually do you want to do like another we'll do a bonus episode this week we'll talk about the 66 batman movie (laughs) yeah sure yeah fuck it yeah let's do it especially because it ties in it bookends it nicely because I have long suspected that Matt Reeves, based on Robert Pattinson's Batman costume, and based on the fact that you have Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and potentially Joker in this movie, I'm like, he's just he's just doing a remake of the 66 Batman movie. Like, I, I will not be surprised if, like, <clears throat> yeah, he duct taped that one guy's head and suffocated him, but I will not be surprised if the rest of the Riddler's victims are turned into sand in this movie 100%. He's like I just needed to steal money from the mayor so that I could fund my fucking vaporizer gun. Uh, uh, I my body is ready. 
<laughs> it's 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 a little bit on the nose. It's just like all the same villains. That costume definitely has like even the way that it's cut on the face <laughs> is the same kind of cuts that are on the Adam West mask. I'm like, I don't know. Something's going on here. Yeah. I mean, it's closer to that than to like, I don't know, Batman Returns or something that had Catwoman and Penguin in it. But yeah. And, uh, yeah. I yeah. Know. I mean, I feel like that's like a far enough sort of dip back that like, you know, he can kind of get away with referencing some of that stuff and turning it into something like new and cool and like Oh yeah, not have it be too distracting. No, I mean only people, you know, only people like us are gonna pick up on it and be like, "What?" You know, I'm very suspicious though. I'm very, very suspicious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um. Bob Saget died. Yeah. That's something that happened this week. That's interesting. Bob Saget. 65 pretty young that's anyway it was you know a thousand yeah yeah i don't have as much of a personal connection with bob saget but i definitely watched full house when i was young and i i totally watched america's funniest home videos when he was the host um yeah Yeah. it's sad i don't know not good yeah he's off to a rock star <laughs> yeah well we lost him and earlier on in the week uh sydney uh i always mess up his fucking last name say it again Poitier. yeah i don't know i always mess that up he's one of those names that's just a little bit it's like it's almost like a little bit french and i have i think i struggle with french pronunciations probably the the most you gotta kind of roll it around in your mouth a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't know he was still alive. Really? Like, yeah. When yeah. he when like the news came out, I was just like, this dude has just been alive this whole time, and you know he's not he's not like another Benny White. You know, like the dude is a fucking was a fucking national treasure. Like, yeah. I mean, he was black, but you know, god damn it. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that's 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 a bigger tragedy, I think. Uh, just sort of like not like the collective not acknowledging him being alive and being the figure that he is. It's kind of like um. Like I don't know how private his his wife was at that point either, though. Yeah. It's kind of like Jack Nicholson. Like Nicholson is this larger than life figure that was just like, oh, I'm done acting. I'm fine. And every once in a while, they have like a paparazzi photo of him on a boat eating a meatball sandwich or something, <laughs> or like him at a Lakers game. But it's like it's he doesn't have nearly the presence that he like Betty White up until her death was still in show business 100% whereas guys like Jack and I think Sydney sort of like retired you know well I wonder if like he could afford to I wonder if like Betty White 
hooded or something. You know, I heard she was in deep with the mob. That's what I heard. They <laughs> said, you know, pay, pay this vig. We're going to break your kneecaps. And she was like, okay, I have an article in People Magazine coming out. And they're like, that ain't going to pay. That ain't going to cover the fucking money you owe us. And then they whacked her. <laughs> and now she's dead. <laughs> so I don't fuck I, with the mob. You know, they they, uh, they propped up Stan Lee for his last fucking 20 years or whatever. <laughs> just like puppeted his like slowly decaying body around the country for like photo ops and shit. So, mm. you know, I wonder about like big like old people in big business considering we're in a country that doesn't care about our elderly or our sick or or oppressed or fucking anybody really. Amen. Uh, and, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is it is a question. Could you imagine the type of scumbag that would be ripping off Betty White? <clears throat> That's hard to imagine. I mean, that's real gross. They they've been running the country for the last twenty years. You know, take take take. Yeah, so if you want to rip off children, some of them uh, probably eat children. Uh, well, that's confirmed in at least one case, and we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> that being said, huge Toy Story fan over here, so. <laughs> I don't know what this show is anymore. I don't really care either. I'm I'm just happy. Just happy to be here. <clears throat> Haven't been censored yet. Yeah. Haven't been censored yet. Um yeah, I don't know. Sydney Portier Portier, the uh first African American to win uh Academy Award for Best Actor. Uh, and the first fucking black dude to slap a white guy on uh, on film, like the first time, like a black person had ever hit a white person, like in cinema. That's like pretty 19, cool. Like fifty or nineteen sixty. This is like fuck. What? That's like, pretty cool. Right, but yeah, it's, I can't remember the movie, but it was. It's called like the Slapford around the world or something like that. <laughs> the slap heard around the world. Yeah. It's like it's a great scene. It's like this detective, I think, and he's investigating something that's happened and he's at a you know, white guy's like greenhouse or something. He's there with the white cop. And Sidney Poitier is asking this dude questions, and I think he like gets a little too close or something, and the guy like scoffs at him and like slaps him, mm. and like without missing a beat, fucking Sidney fucking just hits him like right back and like knocks him <laughs> backwards a little bit. Nice. And the dude like looks at him and he looks at like you know the white cop that he's with, and like back at him, and he's just like you know there was a day you know where I could have drop back and like shock you or whatever and just like looks at him and they just like stare each other down for a minute before like Sydney walks away and it's mm-hmm. just like it's an epic scene considering mm-hmm. like the context and stuff but, yeah uh, I just looked it up it's uh, In the Heat of the Night is the film 
Super dope. Yeah. Man, that's cool. A lot of for a lot of firsts with Sydney. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's been uh been dark days. It's like everybody dropping like flies. Not good. You know, they they were old, you know. Considering the the length of both of those people, like of both of those people's lives, you know, mm-hmm. pretty white being a hundred, you know, being like old enough to see 1940 and remember it ish you know, yeah. or something and then also be able to see 2020 like yeah that's crazy i feel bad for somebody dying in the midst of the pandemic <clears throat> when everything is just so weird this is not yeah. good but um yeah, it's crazy. They haven't released a cause of death for Bob Saget. Um, they just said they found him unresponsive in his hotel room. They haven't released one for Sydney, but I'm assuming old age. And as I said before, Betty White was whacked by the mob. So that's the that's all we know at this point. All of those stories are developing. So if you get any more information, we'll keep you guys updated. Um other than that, now that we got the the dead out of the way, how was your week, Ryan? Uh, pretty good. You know, I'm going back to work and getting a little bit of consistency there, so that's been nice. Trying like get some footing. Uh, mm-hmm. Working my way through this uh, nightfall cover issue. Uh, the outline for that's coming out pretty, pretty sick, and I'm like fucking excited about this. Experimenting with lettering and stuff like that, or just like room for lettering a little more than I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, I locked in some time with my buddy Walker at the Providence Comics Consortium, who will be printing, hopefully. You know, my next two, two or three books, and then potentially our reprint for Punishment. No shit. All, all within the next like, month or so. And uh, hell yeah. It, and then all I got to do is like put it together and bind it and stuff like that. Totally. Fuck yeah. But uh, yeah, wow, so it's going to be fucking cool as shit. Hopefully by like the second week of February, those will be all ready to go. And I'm basically, uh, I keep, like, I'm buying paper off of him because, like, a lot of the printing services are just, like, backed up because of a paper shortage or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. uh, And, you know, Walker's a local and fantastic option. And I'm basically helping him print, like, some shirts and maybe doing a construction project or something for paper and like printing time and i'm also like going to help him print it so like effectively i'm you know able to cut costs tremendously just by like working for him for a little bit that's awesome work work period yeah Yeah. so so you know lining that up and i'll be tabling at 
a you know farm fresh event on Saturday. I got some new books in the mail, so you know, or one of my new books in the mail, and uh, yeah, and then I stumbled across that review of our Christmas comic uh, this afternoon, and I was uh, you know pretty juiced up. That was really really cool. Like I, I don't know, this is, <clears throat> because this is the first time I feel like I've really been recognized, like, because the last time it was like a collaboration and we both were doing art. <clears throat> well, this is your first, you know, solo outing. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just really cool to read it and you know kind of um it's weird you know like you're struggling to get out there and you're struggling to be seen and then once you start being seen it's like almost <clears throat> it's almost like a little addictive where it's like well look at more of me let's go you know like in that dude has been my like kind of go-to for I don't know both somebody that appreciates my stuff and also like can write about my stuff better, almost better than I can just because he seems much more well-read and eloquent than kind of I can be about my own stuff and uh yeah, and it's 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 yeah, it's nice to be seen even by one person. Yeah. It's very um it's very difficult to kind of like get outside your own head and your own perspective about what you're doing. It's much easier for somebody to be like, This is what you're doing, and you're like, Yeah, that is kind of what I did, isn't it? Huh. All right, cool, you know. Yeah, not tied up by any of like your intentions. You know, yeah. it's just like the thing as it is and how the audience perceives it and like mm -hmm. you hope that the thing that you wanted to get out is the thing that gets out but you know you don't really know that until somebody picks it up and interacts with it and reacts to it you know yeah yeah it's um yeah ryan sees four color apocalypse um everybody should check it out everybody should just keep up with the blog and everything that he writes about because patreon yeah does, patreon god the god's work all the god's works and to be clear we're not paying for the review okay so it's <laughs> yeah. not like we gave him extra money on patreon so he's like okay now you know you get one positive book review every every month if you meet if you make it you know Oh, you make no. anything and you get a positive book review that's not what's going on um <laughs> allegedly um i i would 100 are you serious i am ready to sell out the moment somebody offers me money you don't even understand well, I mean, everything well i wonder like <clears throat> i guess you probably do have to pay for most reviews hmm the thing is, they need like, us bigger ones you know but a, 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 a reviewer needs us though right <clears throat> they need content to review so i don't think that they're they're going to be making money off of 
having people go to their site, you know? So I don't think we're, uh, I don't think that we'd, you'd wind up needing to pay for reviews or no, anything. No, I'm just thinking like, you know, bleeding cool or something like that. Like sending one of, one of my I mean, like insane books to like a, a mainstream like comics reviewer or reader and just like see. I've seen that kind of swindle on Instagram. I have seen that <laughs> I've seen that swindle on Instagram where people yeah. are like, oh, well, you know, if you want, you give me a hundred dollars and I'll feature you on my Instagram page. And I'm like, or I'll just use some hashtags and hope that people <laughs> see it. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really get, it's weird. I don't want to like pay for attention. I want to do work that is attention worthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's all. I, I don't really. Uh... And like uh, algorithms, the whole technique of digital dissemination is just such a mind fuck. Like, I don't, I don't get it, but. I don't either. Everything, there's too much information. Very easy to get drowned out in this world. And that's all fine. That, that's fine. I don't care. It's good. Yeah. You know. He's got to gotta build your audience. <clears throat> one, one person at a time. Yep. Find somebody and, that likes it. Nurture that. They find someone else, try and nurture that. You know, hopefully they, they tell their friends, their friends, etc. And, and just hope, keep producing. Yeah. Hopefully you don't say anything that makes them stop listening to your show or anything that <laughs> always something to consider something important to talk about yeah, uh, yeah i guess <clears throat> um so we heard uh we, we we talked back and forth about updates from the flash uh production did we talk like... about that yet on the last off topic no uh the last off topic we talked, well, we had an Easter egg that was 45 oh, minutes that's long. Right. That's where right. we talked about <laughs> all of that like stuff pre this yes. week's events. So this week's <laughs> events had, we got a first look at Barbara Gordon. Um, you know, she has the red hair, which is, you know, fine. And then we got a mural on a brick wall. And I, I made me kind of happy because it's... I, I've done exactly this style brick wall when Kayla and I and uh, that other person did like the movie that we were working on. We made like a fireplace uh, and we used foam and we carved out the bricks and everything <laughs> and painted it and shit. So like watching them move this foam brick wall, I was like, oh, I know that game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they have a mural and it's... Uh, Batman and Robin on the mural. And uh, it's first of all, the Robin was discovered to be from a comic book and the Batman on it was discovered to be an action figure promo shot or something. And I understand you have to start somewhere, but it just feels like <laughs> almost like the directors don't have an opinion about what the character should look like or something. Um, so that was a little weird. And then the other thing that stood out was 
you're using Michael Keaton's Batman and you have uh, this Robin that's like a classic Dick Grayson Robin and he's so therefore white and um, one of the things that jumped out to me is there's a version of Batman Returns and actually I'm excited to talk about that in a couple of weeks there's a version of Batman Returns that's a better Batman movie than what Batman Returns is it's in it's in degrees it's like little choices that could have been made that could have elevated it and one of them was they wanted to have an introduction to Robin. I don't think necessarily Robin and Robin, you know, as a crime fighter, but at least the character uh, of Dick Grayson. And who was supposed to play Dick Grayson was Marlon Wayans. And I kind of, you know, I see this white Robin standing next to what is supposedly the Michael Keaton Batman. And I just kind of feel like these people don't even know their own history. I know that like Marlon Wayans, Dick Grayson never showed up in Batman Returns. So you could still shift it if you want to. But like, if you're doing fan service. Which they fucking are. Right? Well, it's like negative fan service. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fan service, but also like the thing that they like the most recently they're getting correct yeah just wiping the board clean and just... <laughs> yeah it's like except for that fuck that but i don't i still stuff, that's cool though right look at everything else everything else it's just like uh but except for that that one thing that one thing that you're like in the <laughs> middle of now like that people Dude, are that... still kind of like ready for the the vindictiveness of that whole that whole report because <clears throat> it's not like the snyder verse right they're not being like we're gonna get rid of gal gadot we're gonna get rid of jason momoa's aquaman we're gonna get rid of ezra miller's flash they're literally just being like yeah so the flash movie is gonna reset the dceu and erase all the movies that Zack snyder directed from the timeline and it's like, what a bunch of bitches. Like, what is this? This is not productive. This is not good for anybody. This is not good for the fans. I can't watch Batgirl now. And, like, I can't watch Batgirl. I can't watch The Flash. I can't enjoy these movies the same way. Because, you know it's it's that thing that we said in the easter egg it's like the winchester mansion of cinematic universes it's like i can't enjoy anything because i don't know where it's going and i don't know if in a year's time it will matter you know i I just don't care anymore i I bet you a hundred dollars it will not i at this point i think they should just scrap the whole thing at this point just throw it all out and just start again well, they're you know. gonna they're gonna limp through trilogies for at least all the characters up like leading up to Shazam. You know, they're probably gonna give Flash another movie or two if this does well. Maybe. Now that I say it, I feel like that's absolutely not gonna happen. Uh, mm. 
they got enough of those remember berries that you were talking about that they might actually pull a surprising crowd just based on Michael Keaton, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it'll work twice, you know, or for like a whole movie or something like that. Because you know, I could see them wrapping up the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman thing, the Aquaman thing, and Shazam. But like after that, they'll probably be like, "All right, Matt Reeves, what, what, um, what do you think about Dark Side and stuff?" And I'd be like, "Didn't you guys already like try to try to do that?" Like, yeah, but but we want you to do it now. But we want you to do it like this now, just like this. Joss Whedon's just a hang. Dude, it's fucking vomit-inducing because you can see it all. You can see it coming, and like. All of these things are running into problems. So, like, okay, we did Shazam. When did they? When did the first Shazam movie came out? In what, nineteen seventy-three? Was it at this point? So, Billy Bats and what is he, eighty-five now? And he says Shazam and turns into Zachary Levi. It's just this weird. Like, why are we doing this? Like, you should have, if you if you thought for even a second that Shazam was gonna work. You should have filmed all, you should have made three movies right in a row, like done it Harry Potter style so that you don't lose the age. On top of that, they cast a 15 or 16 fucking year old kid as Billy Batson. He's going to be like 20 years old. And it's like, well, the novelty of it is a little kid turns into a man. This is a man turning into a man. Like, what, what are we doing? Why is this here? Stop it. You know? And they want to make him a centerpiece of this new Justice League. And I'm like, I, I honestly, there's no... Dude, the Batgirl movie. Michael care. Keaton. Michael Keaton's Batman is older than J.K. Simmons' Commissioner Gordon. I'm like, I don't get any of this. It's so fucking weird. Like, just stop. Just stop. Stop. You know? I mean, from, from fucking day one, Shazam should have been a fucking child like a child not a troubled teenager like peter parker age like a kid a little kid it should have been i mean it was a kid's movie like who was your target audience with that you were you were you cast up right because the little kids maybe look up to teenagers and like want to become teenagers so they did it that way and i'm like you should have just made it like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, like a child that turns into a superhero. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't do that, and the fact that they didn't have the foresight to be like, wait, what if this is a hit? You know, what if people like it? And then we have to do a sequel. And it's like, well, then we got to write a script. That's going to take three years. Then we got to <laughs> do all the pre production. That's going to take 10 years. And like by, like, by the time you get to this movie, and especially by the time you get to the third one, it's just what it, what is it at that point? It's a super fucking weird diluted version of Shazam, and I just none of this sounds good. All of this sounds awful. It's gonna be like uh, Captain Marvel, watching like all those people like de-aged and just looking real soft and like bad fucking CGI from PlayStation Two, and like oh god, yeah, it's just gonna be like weird deep fakes. I I honestly. It's not that I agreed with every decision that Zack Snyder made. It's not that they're my favorite movies or anything. But I just, the value in just 
doing what you say you're going to do. You know, there's value in that. Now it's like, I have no excitement for the DC movies outside of what Matt Reeves is doing. I have nothing left. I just don't care. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. I, I can't, I, God, do I want to be excited? Like, I want to be ecstatic to see Barbara Gordon get her own film. I want to be over the moon about that. And I want to be excited to take a return trip to Tim Burton's Gotham City, not have Tim Burton's Batman get plopped into the DCEU. You know, like, I don't want that. And we're getting it, you know, and like, it just, it feels like. It's lazy. It's lazy. And it just feels like they can't hear. I think to me, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more people that would rather have it this way. But it seems to me, it could just be the vocal minority. Right. But like it seems to me that there's more voices saying, please don't do this. And Warner Brothers is like, we're going to do it. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, this is... It's like pulling the, the tablecloth out from underneath the set table. You know? <laughs> Except they just fucking like, have everything else. They're like, alright, we're just, we're just going to get rid of this one thing. Yeah. Right? Just or yeah. just these couple of things, just Boom. real quick. You guys won't even notice it's gone. Just check it out. Yeah. They dump clank. over like there's vodka drinks and stuff that they dump over, and the candlestick lands and oh, the it, fucking tables full, on fire. It's a full fucking Thanksgiving Day spread of just everything. Yeah, bottles of wine. You got kerosene <laughs> lamps all over the place just for like ambiance, and that shit all goes up. Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill full on fire being like, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) They're like, but Michael Keaton's here. That's cool, right? No. (laughs) It could have been, but it's not now. You've made sure that like, look, everybody likes everybody likes Michael Keaton as Batman, right? I mean, everybody's sort of like, yeah, he's the original, like, and he's loved that character, and he has carried it with him this entire time. I should be happy. I should be like, oh man, I can't wait to see him. I'm I'm not. I'm like, yeah. oh man, I really wish that this wasn't happening. And that yeah. that's exactly. fucked up. That is so fucked. Yeah. <clears throat> right? I I just that that, you know, not not prefers that Batman, but that is that is like my childhood Batman. And like to just not give a shit about it. I mean, it, it tracks with my whole adult attitude toward a lot of this stuff and I guess a lot of things that I like nowadays, but it doesn't make it any less disappointing. It's weird because historically, even the DC movies that weren't that good, because, <clears throat> like, I mean, I think I saw Suicide Squad maybe twice because I saw it with a group of friends and then I saw it sort of as like a 
well, I don't have anything else to do. I'll go see. Maybe it's better the second time, you know? Um, <laughs> but like Batman v Superman, I did see like four times in theaters and I saw it four times in theaters partially because I was like, what's going on here? Like there's something wrong and I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. And then like the director's cut came out and I was like, oh, they cut out all the context. That's what it is. This, like it, it doesn't make any sense if you remove that hour of footage, you know? So like I've historically been like, I will go see this multiple times because normally I, I think there's enough there that I'm, <clears throat> there's enough story elements there that I'm like, hmm, 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 that's something to think about. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Whereas Marvel movies, I kind of go and I watch once and I can sort of be like, got it. The only one that I saw more than one time in theaters was The Winter Soldier, which I might have seen two or three times easily. Um, but I feel that sense of like when the flash comes out, I will dutifully go see it as a DC fan. I will not see it more than once. I know I won't. I'm going to be sitting there the entire time aggravated. I know it. And Batgirl, the same thing, you know, and that's, it's going to be on HBO max. I'm not going to, I'm not, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be watching it more than once. You know, I'm going to be sitting there watching it the first time being like this is such fucking bullshit and it just feels like agenda filmmaking where they're like oh well look the justice league is being founded by you know batgirl and supergirl yeah girls and i'm like okay fine but also we had that like we that was in place already we had wonder woman you know like founding the justice league and like I don't know, man. I just, look, it's existed the way it's existed since the forties, you know, the original justice league comic. It's like, it's existed that way forever with like that core team. And I wasn't even happy. Like I, I didn't mind the, them putting cyborg in, but I wasn't that pleased that like the green lantern wasn't involved, you know, in Zack Snyder's justice league. So like, I'm a purist in that sense where it's like, well, I want it to be the original team and I don't need them to fight Starro like they did in the first comic. I think using Starro in the Suicide Squad was super cool. Um, but it just sort of, I did want it to be like the team that I recognize. And now they're like, oh no, we're, we're scrapping that entire Justice League thing. Here's your new Justice League, Batgirl, Supergirl and Shazam. And I'm like, I don't fucking understand what's happening i just i'm so aggravated i can't handle it yeah i mean they're they're putting a lot a lot of stock on this flash movie to like sort of replace people's uh emotional connections to like batfleck and cavill with like these two characters in one movie that's already fucking chalk loaded with like a million other characters and like three flashes and like three bad it's like guys yeah guys need to like spread this out a little bit like you don't need a shared universe don't need a multiverse just like just make some good movies have you ever seen like uh 
there's like a difference in technique of somebody that's like a trained fighter and somebody that like doesn't know how to fight at all. So like the trained fighter is these precision hits that's like, you know, easily dismantling somebody else. Like, you know, no questions asked. That's Marvel. Marvel is the trained fighter. Kevin Feige, before the MCU, he had already been making Marvel movies since 2000, I think. X-Men was the first one that he was involved in. So he had all this extra time to kind of learn the process and learn sort of like, hey, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So like <clears throat> he has that buildup and then he's like, now I'm in charge. Now I know what I'm doing. And like there is nothing different than like a drunken frat boy brawl, you know, like that that is the exact technique that you're seeing by Warner Brothers. It's like there's no there's no skill level. It's just these wild swings and punches like, oh, well, I bet this one will land. Ha, huh? wide right by a mile, you know, and like I Every now and then they'll get one that like <laughs> sticks. but Yeah. And then they but they're like that they'll be like, oh, yeah, you thought that was good. But look at this. And they try to do and they miss. You know what I mean? And that's what's happening <laughs> here. It's like you landed it. Zack Snyder's Justice League was a success. Everyone liked it. Even people that don't like Zack Snyder were like, you know what? That was pretty fucking good. I could watch more of that. And you're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, if you thought that was good, wait until you <laughs> give you a bunch of shit that you don't want, you know? And it's like, okay, I'm not excited. I don't care anymore. It's fucking Yeah. Crazy. You know what I would be excited for, actually? Like, to be to be real? This is something i was thinking about yesterday what if they did like a proper man of steel sequel henry cavill coming back and you know instead of Zack snyder what if you got fred durst to direct the superman sequel how good would that be i mean Neil Blomkamp. He was my pick. He was my pick way back when. Is my whole strategy was <clears throat> you want a Justice League of filmmakers. So you get yes. Neil Blomkamp to do Superman. You get Ryan Johnson to do Batman. You know, you get, um, oh, fuck, uh, get uh, Karen Kusama to do Wonder Woman. You know, you want a Justice League of filmmakers to tell these individual solo stories and my whole thing was <clears throat> tell the story it's great you've established the character credits are rolling end credit scene you know wonder woman's on her island or whatever you know and like everything's good or maybe she's turned into diana prince and she's joining the world of man or whatever and then all of a sudden like uh maybe Brainiac or Apocalypse, you know, with Darkseid and everything, all of a sudden that's the last thing that you see in the movie is the end credit scene gets interrupted by a full-scale invasion of Earth. Wonder Woman's like, holy shit, I got to do something about that, right? And you're like, wow, that was fucking crazy. Like, I wonder, like, what, how's that going to tie into the Green Lantern movie that's coming out? 
and you watch the Green Lantern movie, and it's like, wow, like you've established Green Lantern and everything. You've told a complete story. He fought, you know, Sinestro during the course of the film or whatever. Then you go, uh, what's the last part? What, the, the end credit scene? End credit scenes, you know, Hal or John Stewart, like they're, you know, back home and everything is fine. And, uh, you know, they're living a normal life and everything. And then bam, all of a sudden, invasion by Brainiac or Darkseid. They're like, holy shit, I'm going to have to do something about that. Every one of the characters, you tell a good origin, and then the end credit scene is the same end credit scene. Holy shit, there's a huge global event happening. And then you start Justice League, and all of these characters are responding to the same area and finding each other in the chaos and being like, well, who the hell are you? And it's like, I don't, I'm here to stop them. Who are you? I'm here to stop them too. And they wind up like forming the Justice League in battle, you know, like that would be fucking cool and different than Marvel because Marvel went about it a way that's completely fucking asinine, which is one of my complaints about the Avengers. Is it's like, oh, you know, we're putting together a team of superheroes, you know, just in case. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, an alien invasion. It's a good thing we put together that team of superheroes, you know. It's just like, it's a little bit convenient, you know? <clears throat> yeah, dude, 100%. I mean, that's what you get when you uh, follow a Mark Miller fucking comic, you know? I think it would, I, I, I like the idea of them meeting each other in battle and being like, wait, like, like, and I could see like the Justice League, um, the new 52 relaunch where, like I, I always thought it was a great scene where the Green Lantern is with Batman and they're like rocking walking through like a sewer aqueduct. And uh he's like, Okay, so I have a power ring that lets me create hard light constructs. And like obviously we know Superman is flying around all over the place. And he's like, So what's your superpower? And Batman doesn't really respond to him and he's like, Can you do you have like X ray vision or can you read people's minds or something and bruce doesn't really respond to him and then there's like a weird awkward silence and hal's like you're not just like some guy in a bat costume are you and batman like not looking at him but you see batman kind of smirk and keep walking you know (laughs) it's like that stuff would be fun in the midst of world ending action to have these characters like feeling each other out you know yeah yeah, that would take too much uh, foresight and uh, time that DC doesn't have because they're still trying to like desperately catch up to Marvel in any way they can. It's painful to watch. Painful. It's so like they just keep scrapping every- everything that they make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Suicide Squad didn't happen. All the Zack Snyder directed movies didn't happen. At this point, the DCEU started in 2018. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Fucking Flash movie. Oh, God. Mulligan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else that you want to talk about tonight? Any? Anything of uh, significant import? No, you know, go to the website, pick up some books. Got some okay. new stuff there and more stuff on the way. 
Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, try and stay healthy out there while our government is trying to kill us. <laughs> well, they're not trying to kill us. They're just not trying to help us. It's, right. it's not the same. The, well, the, us dying is a side effect of them not helping, not a direct <laughs> result of their actions. It, we're indirectly dying because of their actions. It's different. It's like uh, the difference between murder and negligent manslaughter, you know? <laughs> so it's a fine line, you know? If you see somebody inside a burning building and you know they're in there, is it murder? <clears throat> I won't kill you, but I don't <laughs> well, have to save you. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan! What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about what I'm pretty sure is Fred Durst's directorial debut. A movie starring John Travolta uh, uh, called The Fanatic. The Fanatic. Yeah. Came out what, in 2018, 2019 or something. It's pretty recent. Something and, like that. Uh, it's about this guy that's obsessed with this movie star and is on the spectrum mm-hmm. and become steadily more obsessive and uh, starts to like break some boundaries that uh, you know I think a more functioning person would know not to breach but right right yeah yeah this movie <clears throat> fucked me up I'm not going to lie. I'm still kind of fucked up about it. Uh, Only because... Oh, sorry, what? You, there you go. No, I was going to say why. Oh. And then you started to answer it, so I was like, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> just, just like going into it expecting something like uh, I don't know, Officer Down or uh, some sort of cheesy like B-movie. Like a, a kind of bad movie. I was expecting a bad movie. And while this is <laughs> I think a bad movie, it's like done a little bit better than I wanted to be. And it's yeah. like confusing as all hell. Yeah. And I just like, I'm still reeling from like some of the the cinematography being like halfway decent. The like climax of the movie being like pretty fucking good. Like when he's sitting in the dude's living room as he's like asleep. You know, it's like good tension. I'm freaking out. And like this guy being kind of like a vulnerable person. You know, yeah. it's just like well, fuck. because in you're kind of like you don't know where Moose is. John Travolta's character. You, I want to. I, I just want to double back really quick. This is actually 
Fred Durst's third movie. Um, yeah, so he did a movie called The Long Shots in 2008, and before that, in 2007, he did The Education of Charlie Banks, was his. Huh. Um, well, he also wow. apparently directed a, a TV commercial for eHarmony, uh, <laughs> because he, he he did it all for the nookie. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like all I care about is fucking and finding true love through eHarmony. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, yeah, but... so that makes more sense. It is a little bit more, a little bit easier to digest, but still. Well, I mean, if you're I... directing eHarmony commercials, you got to be good, right? I mean, that's I a, like... there's only a select. It's like Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, and Fred Durst. <laughs> Up there in the list of directors, Charlie Chaplin able to do. that they direct the first <laughs> Harmony uh, Yeah, dude, no way. Fucking, I was like, I don't know. I was expecting, like, I don't know, a punchline or, you know, a killing spree or. You know, some evolution of this character into either a monster or the world around him into a monster. Yeah. And they just did. And it left me just kind of scratching my head and being like, is this in like really bad taste? Like, is this like a comment on society? Is it like, because I don't know. <laughs> John Travolta is also. Dude is working like the dude. Like I haven't seen him act this much. Yeah, so I'll tell you. I want to double back to uh, because I doubled back and then I, I need to double back again. But the thing I was going to say is like that scene, that tension with him in the house is interesting because at that point you don't know if Moose, John Travolta's character, you don't know exactly where his mental state necessarily is you don't know how dangerous moose could potentially be so <clears throat> you're watching that scene and this dude's sleeping and he's sitting there and he's doing this like rocking back and forth with like excitement like he can't handle his own kind of you know ecstatic glee and then on the other side of that you have this actor that has more than once threatened real physical violence against Moose. So <clears throat> you're kind of afraid for both of them, which is an interesting needle to thread. You know, you feel like they both are in potential danger and that's bizarre. I'm not going to say he's pulling off Hitchcockian levels of tension, but kind of. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was just way more than I was expecting going into it. Cause I was like, I'm not going to feel anything. John Travolta's in this crazy haircut. He's doing his Forrest Gump thing. And yeah. you know, I really... I'm not sure how to feel about this because this is also Fred Durst fucking directing this movie. And I'm like, all right, there's just no way. And if then you were, if you were unaware, it sells it. 
really well. Yeah, yeah if, if I didn't know it was Fred Durst, I would be like, oh, this is just kind of like a plain but easily produced movie. Yeah. It like, actually leads me to a question that I had when I was when I was watching it because as laughable out of context as John Travolta's performances when you're watching it in the movie it's not nearly as as jarring um it's weird and it's over the top but it doesn't really bother me as much as just seeing an isolated clip um it made me wonder about the critic reaction to it all right and i look i'm not comfortable i i want to be able to go out there and be like this fucking thing sucks because i i don't want to lose any of my credibility you know like i want to be able to like have this show and have people take me seriously but i have questions about the reaction that people had to it is it that it actually is as bad as people say it is or is it people are so stay in your lane just make you know kind of off-brand new metal music like that they just shut it down and they're just like nope can't be valuable there's nothing here fuck you um i mean this is definitely one of the most confounding movies i've ever watched because you know like the ending's really weird with the actor being arrested, but it's like his fingerprints are there. Like his hands been blown off and his fingers are there. And like he's the one that killed the maid. Yeah. Where are these fingers like, from? As long as they do their job, like Moose is getting arrested. And uh, that, that actually is kind of a funny scenario because they're like, they're like, wait a minute, we just found a bunch of, like, one of the young detectives is like, I just found fingers over here, but she's not missing any fingers. This is a second victim. And they're like, we're not, listen, we're not trying to change the world, all right? We got a dead maid <laughs> in the yard, all right? Like, we'll arrest him for that, and whoever this was, fuck him, you know? Like, I don't, we already have enough paperwork. Are you serious? Just fucking shut Come up. On, really. <laughs> yeah. You know what you do with the fucking fingers? You just see the carpet over there? Lift it kick the fingers under the carpet and let's get the fuck out of here. All right. I hear a dog next door. You throw that shit over the fence. <laughs> you feed the Fido over there, right? They're like, Save we... us a little bit of paperwork. Have a heart. Jeez. They're like, we're, Be we're Beverly Hills cops. All right. This affects property value. So we can't hide the fact that the maid's dead on the fucking lawn. We're not going to tell people that there's multiple murders here. All right. It's already, it's already bad enough as it is. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my, like, like the whole last hour of the movie, I was just like, they're really not going to even walk into their backyard and find this steadily rotting corpse. Like, well, that was, that was like a question that was like continually in my, in the back of my mind where I'm like, that lady's just sitting out there. She's laying next to the fucking birdbath, dead. Yeah. Oh, and like the noir sort of overdub, the like narration thing, like it is such a weird fucking movie. And I don't think it's a good movie. 
but I think just like the, the pieces that, you know, comprise the thing as a whole uh, just make for a very strange package. And like, Do you think it's a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes bad movie? I mean, maybe like a 25%. Hmm. 30. Like I was going to say that value. I'm upset that it wasn't nominated for Oscars. I felt like maybe a best director. Um, no, I'm just fucking around. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird like that. You know, like it's well enough to to have it sell all of the bad stuff in it effectively. So, you know. I mean, I I just want to do something really quick. Uh, I just want to check something because I'm really suspicious of it. Um, like. Because I, I I do think that there's bias playing into these reviews. I'm I'm I'm. I don't think it's a sixteen percent, and that's something that is hard for me to wrap my head around. Because I I went into this wanting to not like it at all, and I found myself oddly <clears throat> sort of drawn into the world, you know, and yeah, I found yeah. it kind of weird it, it's like a weird hollywood underbelly story about you know like street grifters and like kind of the people who make up i guess some of that population like the the pickpocket magician dude with like, like the extreme magician or whatever with like the nail and stuff um, mm-hmm. him being the British guy on like Hollywood Boulevard or whatever just like it's a weird backdrop to this whole thing you know what it reminded me of was um it reminded me a little bit of uh like Nightcrawler you know drastically different kind of level obviously but that same sort of thing where it's like, oh, here's L.A. And then it's like, it's kind of gross. It's very gross, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't seen Nightcrawler, but... I, uh... Oh! Oh! Ooh! We gotta watch Nightcrawler, brother. We have to. That's so good. Nightcrawler is uh, awesome. It's like Jake Hall becomes what they call a nightcrawler which is somebody that's running around trying to get to like scenes of accidents before emergency crews and stuff so that they can film up close footage of this stuff to then sell to like news uh news stations and stuff and um it's dark it's dark it's creepy jake joe and hall was completely fucking terrifying the entire way through um yeah i think i've seen the trailer and stuff for it and um who's the director 
somebody of any <laughs> it's somebody yeah. but i don't remember who necessarily um hang on nightcrawler it's a lot of verification in this episode uh <laughs> thank you and now i'm no, we're not going to do it. Not real, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't no have way. time for that. There's Nobody no has way. time for that. Um, I just was trying to find out like what other movies have. Uh... Oh, 60%. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I want to know, because I personally look. I don't know about. <clears throat> I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't. I don't think this is that, that fucking bad. I really don't. Um, Dan Gilroy directed Nightcrawler. Um, it's not great. It's not good. I think it might reach okay. You know. Like, I think John Travolta's performance is actually defendable, you know? I think some of it is, like, sloppily edited because he has these moments where he says weird shit that doesn't make sense that isn't just because that's his character. It's, like, it's actually mistakes. Like, Maniac, great movie. Not the crappy remake, though. That was overrated. It's the new one I like. It's, like, that's just a mistake right that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you know so you could cut and then be like okay let's do that over again but this time don't fuck that lineup you know um but they don't do that and i don't know if that's because fred durst is like well he's john travolta how am i supposed like i'm just fred durst you know how am i supposed to direct him it's like well he's your actor so you just tell him what to do and then he'll do it you know that's that's how that works <clears throat> um so i kind of like there's little things like that where i'm like oh that's not that's not great but i have a hard time with you know rotten tomatoes is always this way where it's like it doesn't necessarily always make sense to me some of the some of the ratings that you get like even we talked about batman v superman the theatrical release wasn't great but i think it had a a 25 percent or something or like a 30 percent and then like pitch perfect 2 had like a 80 some odd and i'm like is this is that real like does that actually make sense like it looks like like Pitch Perfect 2 is shot on an iPhone, you know, everybody's like very annoying. It's like visually Batman v <laughs> Superman's way better, you know, it's like the story might not be like a straight shot, but are we judging? Should we judge it just as a, a story or are we considering everything when we come up with these numbers? Considering like the performances in the film. You know, regardless of what you think about Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor and that take on him, it's like he's very fun to watch. You know, like Eisenberg has like a presence about him. 
<laughs> I think so. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think he's fun to watch. I think yeah. he's over the top and he catches your eye. He makes interesting choices. I think Amy Adams and Henry Cavill do fine. I think the relationship between Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons is very interesting. There's substantive things in that movie that are, it's like they're just throwing it out. They're throwing it out so vigorously to get it to like that 30%. And then you look at other things that are like, <clears throat> maybe they're not just, maybe those movies just aren't for me or something, but I have a hard time reconciling when I see like a shitty comedy that has like a 50 or 60%. And I'm like, how is that? You know, like how, how do we judge? Yeah. How do we judge these yeah. movies? It's difficult to kind of put my finger on. And I kind of have the same thing here where it's like, <clears throat> I think this movie was judged more by who directed it than the content of it. Cause there's some things in here that I'm like, Hmm, this is, an interesting line of questioning, I guess, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so strange. Like, <sighs> I find myself playing devil's advocate on this show a lot, where it's like, no, no, no. I understand that it's not a good movie. I get it. But I'm just asking how bad no. is it, you know? Well, that, that's the thing, though. Like, the cinematography's great. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like, great shots, you know? And, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Judge Wolf is kind of hard to watch in a lot of this stuff. Uh, but that's just kind of, like, my feeling with like a lot of these kind of uh, acting takes is feel like I don't know ableist or something just like <clears throat> it's weird and it, it just feels like you to me and uh, made it feel it made me think of uh, Robert Downey Jr. <clears throat> in Tropic Thunder being like never go full oh yeah and I was like yeah yeah john Travolta is really really doubling down uh yeah and it just it, uh you know he's acting he's acting so hard and like i want to give him whatever credit for just going for it um but it's like you know, going too hard in like the wrong direction and have it just like, you know, it looks good, you know, he's acting well, like all of it's to a competent level, but it's just like, you know, like what's it about? It, it, it doesn't go in like a direction enough to like, yeah. have like have it make a profound statement with the stuff that it had like if it had been maybe effective or more effective for me like i probably could have given john travolta a pass like, if it had some kind of like, message about 
uh, you know, just like the rampant neglect of like our healthcare system on the mentally handicapped or different or differently mentally abled or whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like, like if he, like I was expecting him to like die. Like I thought the actor dude was going to snap, kill him, and then, you know, his mom or caretaker or something like that would have like shown up and, you know, been like his emergency contact or something like that. Maybe he like to apartment and it would have just, I don't know. Like there, there was the potential for something there that like, I think keeps me thinking about this movie because it's just like dealing with a lot of weird shit. Um, and it's like done, <laughs> you know, well, like the, like a well-produced thing. So weird. Um, so weird. But it just, yeah, it just landed <clears throat> really strange for me. I... I, I had. I guess John Travolta's kid was also autistic, I think, or one of his kids that yeah died yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I had a vision of where it was going that involved him wearing this dude's skin. That's where I was sort of like, ah, oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> dude, that, see, like, like that would have been fucking crazy. Like, yeah, the last image of it being uh... like. What if the maid was like alive? Like, what if that didn't happen? And the last image of it is her coming in, and she's like going to start her work day, and she's like, "Oh, there's a spill on the floor," and then she goes to wipe it up, and she's like, "What is this?" And then she's like, "Holy shit, is this blood?" And then she like hears footsteps coming down the hall, and she looks up, and it's John Travolta like stuffed into the stretched out skin of Hunter Dunbar, you know, like because that that that's you know the fanatic it's like <laughs> i got his yeah. best i have all his movies you know like, he's in the best yeah you know? like yeah it would have been fucking crazy um but i i what i, I did yeah that would have made it work it's so funny like <laughs> the amount of times that i like pitch something and john said this about me too like john will say john said once i think on the show but he said, you will pitch ideas. And I'm like, oh, that would have been better. You know? And he's like, I never, you never pitch an idea where I'm like, nah, I like what they did more. Like, he always, like, John always feels like I come up with things that are like, that could have worked, you know? Um, it's like, they're so close. Yeah. Know. Yeah. What I did like, though, is the idea that. <clears throat> you know what where they went with it was moose isn't really a threat he's just slow and enthusiastic and that enthusiasm coming from a stranger can be really off-putting and would make me very uncomfortable too and like i thought the idea of him not being a threat but being perceived as a threat and him not understanding social norms and crossing those lines and crossing those boundaries, but because he just doesn't know better, not because he's dangerous. 
I did think that having him be like a sacrificial lamb would have been powerful because it would give a voice to not all, you know, lot, many times stalkers are fucking creepy, you know, like they're, they're always creepy, but I think there are some people that are just not well that don't understand the situation. And that was the tragedy of John Travolta's character in this. That's the tragedy of Moose is that he knows that he doesn't mean any harm, but other people don't. And when this actor character, Hunter Dunbar started laying the smack down on him at the end of the movie, it was fucking tragic. But, I think Fred Durst didn't have the heart to, I think, possibly do what was right for the movie and kill him. Uh, and I think maybe, you know, if you were going to go the way, like what I was talking about, where he's like winds up wearing this dude's skin at the end of the movie, it's like you have to kind of lead us down that path, you know, and, and understand like, okay, like this guy he may be slow, but he's also deeply, deeply disturbed in here. Like it's, he's a monster. Um, the path they went was that this is a gentle, sweet guy that just doesn't understand things. And that's fine. But I think the, the payoff to the story is that you have him get killed and <clears throat> Hunter Dunbar is celebrated as like wow like he survived this guy broke into his house and tied him up and he killed his maid and like how brave is this guy for having done that and meanwhile it's like he killed a sweet innocent man you know like we would recognize the tragedy of that and it sort of makes it sort of gives a voice to and it's not saying that stalking is right it's not saying that anything that moose did was right but it gives a voice to maybe a type of stalker that isn't fully aware of maybe the impact that they're having. You know, maybe they do need, like you said, mental health services. Maybe they do need counseling and they're in a world that they can't get the help that they need. And then we wind up demonizing them and, and vilifying them and, you know, dancing on their graves when somebody kills them, you know? Yeah. I mean, the weird thing also about this movie is, like, the soundtrack sets it up so that, like, all of Moose's outings are, like, this, like, looming, like, horror soundtrack. So it's just, like, oh, he's just about to fucking kill everybody in this house. And it's, like, you see the kid and you're, like, oh, no. What the fuck is he doing? He's in the lawn, like he's off the fence, like, oh no, and it's still got it's got the Jaws music playing. <laughs> Get out of the water, there's a moose. Get out of the water. <laughs> I mean, if you ever see a moose in the water, I'll see that. Some man eating uh, moose off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> but you know, like it sets it up so, like, you're... Like, I was expecting Moose to, like, 
think I was kind of expecting a bloodbath until the end. And, uh, you know, it, it just, between that and it being like kind of noir and kind of like a horror movie, like, you know, you're kind of like waiting for this level of schlock to kick in mm-hmm. and like see some gore. Right. Or like some brutality somewhere and uh, it just never really happens you know, well, you have... until the end when he saws it. Yeah. Well, you have this um, thing where Moose is you know he is on the spectrum some sort of situation uh with that and you also have him being like oh hunter dunbar is my hero and hunter dunbar appears to have been somewhat action movie-ish but it seems like mostly horror films so you have somebody who's spectrumy that is getting is is such a huge horror movie fan right that that seems to be the input that they're getting from the world primarily is these horror movie situations and like this is how people interact with each other and stuff there's something there that could be really interesting to look at where maybe that's just the way that he sees people interact primarily is through violence you know so you could go that direction and have moose wind up being like well it's going to be just like one of the movies like it's going to be like you're hunter dunbar and i'm going to be the bad guy and like you're going to have to stop me you know like you could play it that way and it would be a vastly different movie but it would also be i think it would be just as good as the version of it where you more heavily invest in the idea that like like that hunter dunbar story really if he killed him and then called the cops and was like, hey, some guy broke into my house and he tied me up. And it's like, and he killed my mate. Like, oh, my God. And and everybody would be like, look at how insane this is. Hunter Dunbar is so brave. What a miracle that he was able to survive that night. Da-da-da-da-da, and all this stuff. Like, both of those stories are satisfying. You know? One of them is more socially interesting. And one of them is more genre satisfying you know like either of them work for me this is closer to the social commentary but it feels like it has like one foot in one foot out um yeah like it's still trying to be a horror movie or like a social commentary horror movie yeah but it I don't know where yeah, where it's landed. Yeah. And I think like some of the stuff that they do I was I was it was puzzling me as I was watching it was like how much of a dickhead they were making Hunter Dunbar because it was like to sell it as a horror movie you would have to to me Look at like a basic slasher movie setup, like Halloween, you know, you have this unstoppable monster man versus a bunch of 
young girls that they just are going to school and like they're not trained to fight not that women can't fight that these girls are in high school they're busy doing math you know what i mean like that's their life so it's a complete fucking mismatch and that's part of the tension is like dude if any of them get within michael's vicinity it's gonna not end well for them and like you're praying that that doesn't happen so this movie's weird because they're trying to set up the potential danger of moose but also like every time you see hunter dunbar he's being so overly aggressive and he's being such a dickhead and so rude and just awful and it kind of makes you feel like you don't really care what happens to him but then the movie does the pivot and turns him into the villain at the end of the movie and then it's like, oh, well, then it was there for a reason. But it's very, like, off-putting. It's very, it feels very off-kilter where, and it's not necessarily, like, when not he everything gets has free, to be the same, like, but. Yeah, like, he's, uh, yeah, it's like he's painted as, like, the, I guess the bad guy because he's being super aggressive. Uh, but, like, this dude's also, like, walking in to like his house and it's yeah, just but... like you don't, you don't you don't deal with like people that are in trouble like this with violence or aggression it's just like any man um like don't i don't know don't you uh have like some some empathy you know and just like the cartoonish nature of just this dude fucking giving John Travolta a hard time made it seem like it was like uh, more of a horror movie than I guess it ended up being. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. And I don't... Um... I... I f- hmm. it's weird because I, I I think part of the problem is that I did like it more than I expected to and I had my expectations so low going into it that it's difficult for me oh, that's that's something tough where I think it kind of makes me feel like oh well was it good you know, <laughs> where you know, I, I, I see bits and pieces. Yeah, no, I think I think it's its merits in art, you know, like it's anything that sort of gets you scratching your head like this, I think is worth something, you know. The yeah. number on Rotten Tomatoes is a number, but like in the context of like just movies that are like this weird, weird antic, you know? And uh, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I liked it, but I can't say that like it was as bad as I thought it was. Or anywhere near as bad as I thought. 
I'm trying to think of like what would I <clears throat> on my wish my wish list of things that I would change. Um I I don't like the performances of the dude that was doing the fake street magic and his like pickpocketing buddy. I didn't like them. Police. Yeah, I didn't like them. I, I thought they were so Mood Biscuit fans. For sure. Yeah, easily. Biscuit fans. Yeah. I didn't like that their uh I just didn't like the performances. I, I felt like they were too silly, too cartoonish, um, and kind of took away from everything else that felt fairly real. It's like if John Travolta is at a 10 doing this character and this character is kind of cartoony, it's like you pull back so that you make him look as cartoony as possible. You don't want too much of the same flavor. And that was sort of how it felt. It was like, this is over the top. Um, I didn't like that. <clears throat> I felt it really uncomfortable with Fred Durst sort of like sucking his own dick with the father being like, oh, you want to listen to some Limp biscuit? This is the <laughs> shit, man. I was like, this is too much. This is really weird. Don't do that, that ever. That was what I was expecting for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. That was what I was waiting for. Yeah, that was that was fucking horrible. Um, you know, I thought his paparazzi friend was fine. Um, I don't <coughs> fully understand. Like, it seems like her sole reason for existing in the story is so that he can find out about the Star Maps app that allows him to find the house. And it kind of makes you feel like you wish that there was more to that relationship. It's pretty much she gives him that. She scolds him for using it. And then at the end of the movie, she's like, oh, my God, what happened to you? And she helps him. And then well, she they... also said she loves yeah yeah this is like so is this a romantic thing or uh like a help thing like are they related like, i think it's probably something probably just she sees him and is like oh no like this poor man and kind of looks out for him and stuff but I kind of wish that she was a little bit more like integral to the part to the plot. Um, and I think the Hunter Dunbar, like the guy that's playing Hunter Dunbar, is Draco <clears throat> Malfoy. There's something weird about him where I don't, I I don't buy him or something. Like I don't find him terribly <laughs> believable. He's from the, the Final Destination movies. So. Oh, is that right? No shit. Yeah, he's he's like a. Well, actually, I, I guess he's like a early two thousands, uh, like horror icon, teen icon. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I felt like he had one speed, and it wasn't really until he was tied up to the bed that he was like, "Okay, this is a situation where I have to find a different speed 
because it won't make sense if I'm like, oh, what the fuck for you the entire time. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I just want like a little bit more humanity in that performance. And I think maybe a little bit more of maybe empathizing with him so that you're more off kilter about what's going to happen at the end of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like if, if he was like, Hey man, you know, you can't do this. Like, this is a real like, breach of privacy. Like, I'm not going to threaten you with violence. Like, is it just somebody I can call? It's like, get you some help, right. sign whatever. Like, I really appreciate you. Gives him yeah. a pat on the back on his way. And then he shows up again. And he's just like, all right, you know, I'll call somebody else again. And then it's just like, he keeps showing up until it like escalates to the scene in the living room. And it's like, oh shit, is he about to like, kill him? Mm-hmm. Then the guy wakes up, gets his gun, fucking kills the other guy, you know, by accident or something. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like there's a lot of directions that you can go to, like amplify it, you know, just a little bit. Well, it would be interesting. Like <clears throat> you recognize, John Travolta is somewhat handicapped, so you're kind of treating him with a little bit of like, well, you know, you know, let's just try to you know i'll sign this for you and everything and like you know thank you for being a fan and all that stuff but i think the moment where it's like john travolta keeps pushing you know and like keeps coming back and then this guy eventually loses his patience and threatens him and like once that threat is made then like that's that's the direction that i like that's the direction where the ending i would want it to be him wearing the dude's skin you know because it's like this dude finally realizes that oh you're you're really not respecting these boundaries and then he like clarifies it sternly and then you have John Travolta being like but I'm your fan you can't talk to me like that like you're nothing without me and him being like dude I appreciate that you enjoy my movies but you gotta fucking knock off the shit and at that point John Travolta being like I'm gonna fucking destroy you like i thought we were friends you know and that would be fucking cool you know then it could be like a cautionary tale about being too lenient with people you know like inviting the vampire into your house almost you know um yeah it's just like it could it was just so close and i kept waiting for it yeah. Having the end just what it was. I, like... I liked the humanity of the ending though. Because he kind of plays on Moose's emotions to get Moose to untie him. Then as soon as he's untied, he starts beating the shit out of Moose. He blows off his fingers and then he shoots next to his ears uh, to like cause him to be deaf, you know, was the intent. Then he takes a fucking knife and just stabs him in the fucking eye with it. And like the sound of John Travolta just wailing and crying and like sounding so scared. It was gut-wrenching 
It was so fucking sad because that's the point to me. That's the point where you're like, yeah, Moose definitely isn't dangerous. He had every opportunity to hurt this guy and he didn't do it. So he obviously. I think that was just. That was an accident, wasn't it? Being overzealous. He was like play stabbing him. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a fake. Until yeah. the dude got up later and he had like three, you know, red, yeah, uh, like bloody wounds on his chest. I was like, oh, fuck, he actually stabbed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, it, a bit, but a little bit. But I mean, it, <clears throat> he even in the moment was acknowledging that, oh, no, like I didn't, I, I, uh, yeah. you know, like he, it was, it seems like it was an accident. Um, so like, by the time this horrible shit is happening to him and by the time he's on the ground screaming and wailing, it's like, this is fucking awful. And I didn't think Hunter Dunbar was going to stop personally, but then he like also hears the horror and sees the horror of what he's done and winds up like feeling guilty, winds up being like, holy shit. And that all felt very human to me. Because he, in the back of his mind, he must know that there's something wrong with Moose, right? He's also... <laughs> He's also not really acting like it, though. Yeah, no. What is this perfectly rational man doing just completely invading my privacy on a regular basis? Why can't I get through to him? Why is he wearing his backpack so high? I'm so angry. <laughs> God, I'm so angry. <laughs> Why is he wearing his backpack so high is... My favorite question ever is something about that. Like that is suspicious. Yeah. Why is he wearing it like that? Who is this man? I don't like his hair. <clears throat> no, I, I don't he's like a Bobby by night. Yeah. I mean, I think that his, uh, like he, he, he must know that there's something wrong with him, but he also is like in adrenaline pumping mode and being like, this guy had me tied up. This guy stabbed me. You know, and is like, he's a hot-headed person. We've established that this entire time. So it's a very, to me, I felt like that that human moment there where it's like he stops and is like repulsed by what's happening and repulsed by what he's done and feels bad and like winds up helping Moose up onto his feet and then opening the door and having him leave and everything it was like what a it was an unusual tact to take in that moment it felt like the less obvious thing to do and that excited me you know yeah it, it felt it's, like it's, it's a thing it's a thing you know or it's scratcher it felt like you we were in a position and also in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is Limp Biscuit, you know? So to me, I'm like, somebody's dying. Like, that's how this is going to end. Somebody dies. Has to. And the fact that that's not what happens, I was like, huh, how weird, you know? Um, so I give the movie credit for being unconventional. You know, I give the movie credit for being like, 
well, we could have done that, but that's not what we're, that's not what this is. You know, that's not really what this is supposed to be about. I don't know precisely what it is supposed to be about. I have questions like you, like, okay, so they find the maid dead, but then Moose's fingers are there and they try to like sum up Moose afterwards like he's on the street and he's all fucked up and people are like oh man i love your costume and shit and they're taking pictures with him and then the paparazzi girl was like wait a second that's moose and she runs over and she's like what happened and she's gonna try to get him to the hospital and he winds up being like wait what does this one say and he's looking at the star on the hollywood walk of fame and like then they try to sum it up really quickly with her being like given this outro about oh but he's you know unbreakable or whatever da, 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 da. and then they do like a chalk drawing which i like that convention throughout these weird chalk drawings <laughs> that they keep showing i was like those are cool those are those are sick <clears throat> so they wind up doing one last one and it has the paparazzi girl is like almost an angel holding moose up and you see moose has a hook for a hand and an eye patch now because of the injuries that he got from hunter and I'm like, I was thinking about, <clears throat> because me and you talked about this. Here's insider trading. You guys ready? We talked about the villains in the punishment as being almost uh, Apep, who was the ancient Egyptian. Apep is the Greek. The... Yeah, no, Apep is the Egyptian name. He was like the ancient Egyptian demon of chaos. And we sort of were joking around or at least noticing that a lot of the guys were getting hurt in ways that match up with how you are supposed to like defile Apep to defeat him. So you, you know, you, you defile him with your foot, you know, you, this and that and all these different things like um and those were kind of how those characters were getting taken out in the punishment so if you go down the list of what you're supposed to do to apep it's the same thing that happens to all these individual guys i was kind of wondering that with moose because it seems like you took his ears you took his hand his right hand and you took his right eye and it's very it felt almost like ritualistic the way that it played out. And I was sort of like scratching my head and I haven't really found anything else there, but it, it was making me wonder if there was supposed to be some symbology in the, in the act, you know, um, And I don't know why I feel that way, but it's just this sense of they're very specific wounds, you know? Yeah, I like. <laughs> he just did like the quick, like, poke in the eye. Now I was like, he just poked him. Like, give a big knife like that. Like, I was expecting like an actual, like, full on stab. Loses Donskis, and then the dude raises his horror and, you know, falls back. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's a strange, it's definitely a strange act to have him also not like follow through on it, you know. Mm. You know, I think if you want <clears throat> certainly not a terrible movie. It's not terrible. But if you want a movie that kind of does the same things better, uh, go watch One Hour Photo with Robin Williams. One Hour Photo with Robin Williams kind of treads the same territory, but it's so it's so well handled. It's so creepy. It's so tense. Uh, Robin Williams plays Cy, the photo guy. He works at like almost like a Walmart where he does the 24-hour photo development for all these people that come in. There's one family that he is unusually fixated on and he is unbeknownst to his employer is actually making duplicates of all their photos. So every time they bring in anything to get developed, he makes a copy for himself and his entire apartment, there's a wall that he has their photos just taped up onto the wall and he's steadily becoming more and more obsessed with them. Um, he kind of has a couple of like crisis points in his personal life. Plus he finds out that the husband is cheating on the wife and then he winds up getting further involved in their lives. Um, and it's really, really scary. It's a creepy movie. Um, it kind of has the same vibes, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Uh, very Robin Williams is just a he was just a national treasure he's just a dude that could kind of do anything he wanted you know between one hour photo and did you you must have seen insomnia yeah insomnia what's that he was in that oh yeah he was the bad guy yeah the uh, finch the writer (laughs) he has such great moments in that movie where like Al Pacino chases him across the the logs and winds up falling in and he gets soaked and he climbs out of the thing and Robin Williams is on the other side and is like watching him climb out and then you know exits the scene and Al Pacino winds up going back to his his apartment and he's in Robin Williams' apartment, and then the phone rings, and he winds up picking it up, and it's Robin Williams calling his own apartment, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Will." He's like, "Uh, you know, you're all right," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine," and he's like, "Well, you know, I know you must be pretty cold. I got, uh, you can take any of the clothes that you need if you want something dry, and there's towels in the uh in the bathroom in the cabinet there. Um, you, you know, before you go, if you don't mind, just uh putting some." kibble in my dog's bowl because i'm probably not going to be back again tonight um you know he's just like super casual about it and it's like really strange but it's something that like only robin williams could do with that level of like kind of folksy like i'm your friend energy you know even though you know that this guy's a fucking murderer um hey man comedians are probably some of the most versatile 
creatives out there, you know. Oh yeah. 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 They know exactly how to because comedy is about timing, right? So, you know, you give them a script that requires them to do dramatic stuff and they know timing. That's that's their job, you know. So it's pretty cool. Um, do you have anything else? I might have lost Alves. I can't tell. Oh, are you there? There you are. I literally was just about to give up. I was like, oh, I think he's gone. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say about the fanatic? Uh, there he is. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Watch it, I guess. I would say watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> That's what I would say. It's not great, but it's not awful. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was. I. But you will be surprised. Yeah. I think one of the things I said to you is there's a lot of movies last year that we watched that I would probably choose The Fanatic over a lot of those you know <laughs> like i could see myself legitimately watching the fanatic again but i could i i doubt that i will watch king kong versus godzilla or mortal Kombat, or you know what i mean like i i could see rewatchability in the fanatic just because it's so weird and it's like, well, what what is the point? Why did they make this? You know, whereas there's not a lot of mystery about why they make King Kong versus Godzilla. It's it's mostly money. That's like the primary reason to make King Kong versus yeah. Godzilla. So it's kind of weird the the feeling that I have about this, where I sort of am like. <clears throat> I was I almost rewatched it again today before we did the show. Um and then I was like, nah, I decided against it. But like even now having talked about it, I'm still like, I should watch it one more time. I should check it out. Just one more time, knowing what I know about the end of the movie, go back, watch what's going on in the beginning. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, I don't know. It's a head scratcher, man. It is. It left me kind of flabbergasted on the other side. Just, yeah, just flabbergasted. Yeah. Well, next week, uh, we're going to be diving. Well, we'll get a bonus episode before that of Batman 66. So I'm going to have to rewatch that. I wonder if that's on HBO Max. Could be. Um, so we'll rewatch that. So you get the bonus episode ahead of Batmania, the original Batmania. Um, and then next week, we're going to talk about Batman 89. So that will be really cool. I'm excited to start doing Batman and Sick. just dive in and 
it's gonna be gonna be fucking fun i actually am really excited to talk about like batman and robin to be honest that's one that i'm i'm super excited to talk about <laughs> because i i, I like train wrecks oh god <laughs> it's gonna be so good um in the meantime thank you all for listening sorry if the audio was a little choppy wi-fi is being very very iffy tonight um but i just want to say that i'm going to give we're going to leave you now with the musical stylings of one of the most brilliant minds to come out of late 90s early 2000s new metal this is fred durst performing in Limp Biscuit, his hit song, Nookie. Good night, everybody. Well, I was going to put uh, Limp Biscuit's Nookie on the end of this episode, as I mentioned. But I guess it means that uh, if I do that, uh, it'll only play on Spotify. And I know that there's uh, quite a few people listening that don't use Spotify to listen to the show. So, um, I was thinking that there's only one way to do this properly. Um, so, I'm going to read them to you. The lyrics check. One, one, two... I came into this world as a reject. Look into these eyes, then you'll see the size of the flames. Dwelling on the past, it's burning up my brain. Everyone that burns has to learn from the pain. Hey, I think about the day. My girlie ran away with my pay. When fellas came to play, now she's stuck with my homies that she's fucked. And I'm just a sucker with a lump in my throat. Like a chump, hey? Like a chump, hey, 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 like a chump, hey. Should I be feeling bad? No. Should I be feeling good? No. It's kind of sad. I'm the laughing stock of the neighborhood. And you would think that I'd be moving on. But I'm a sucker, like I said, fucked up in the head, not. And maybe she just made a mistake, and I should give her a break. My heart will ache either way. Hey. What the hell? What you want me to say? I won't lie. That I can't deny. I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your... I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your, yeah. Stick it up your. Why did it take so long? Why did I wait so long, huh? To figure it out, but I did it, and I'm the only one underneath the sun who didn't get it. I can't believe that I could be deceived by my so-called girl. Had a hidden agenda. She put my tender heart in a blender, and still I surrendered. 
like a chump, hey, 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 like a chump. I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your... I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your... I'm only human. It's so easy for your friends to give you their advice. They'll tell you just let it go, but it's easier said than done. I appreciate it. I do. But just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Ain't nothing gonna change. You can go away. I'm just gonna stay here and always be the same. Ain't nothing gonna change, cause you can go away. And I'm just gonna stay here and always be the same. Ain't nothing gonna change, and you can go away. I'm just gonna stay here and always be the same. I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your... I did it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. Come on, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your yeah. Stick it up your... Wow. Great. There it is. That's fucking amazing. Here's how you do it. Watch this, crazy bastard. You gotta pay for a major expensive glass. Ha 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 ha. That's how you do it. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. So that was, um... <sighs> my cover of uh, Limp Biscuit's Nookie. So, I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh... And purchase it on iTunes. <laughs>